following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. XXXVII. That's 87 to the layman's. Yeah, for you lame mans or well, layman. Layman's. It's Roman numerals, yeah. And what better way to kick off episode LXXXVII than by introducing ourselves? <laughs> Let's not forget about that. <laughs> I'm Nathan K. I'm Craig L. Lewis. Craig, Craig L. Lewis. Lewis. Craig Lewis. Does your middle name begin with an L? Holy shit, do I know your middle name? Do you? Can you guess it? I think I knew at one point. Can I guess it? Do you know mine? Charles. Yeah, you know mine. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. That was a guess. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm named after my uncle. He died before I was born. He was killed by a drunk driver. Oh. Yeah, very tragic. I don't want to laugh now, so I'm sorry. I'm named after somebody, too, in my family. My middle name. <sighs> you know what's funny is with you... David. That's exactly right. Really? Yeah. No way. No fucking way. Really? Yeah. That's nuts, dude. I was like, I'm going to, if he just guessed with mine, I'm good. I'm just going to stare at his fucking forehead Damn. and pull it out of his head. People listening That's are going to be nuts. like, you guys are lying. You fucking know. No, we talked no way. About this. No, not at all. I just looked at you and I was like, Nathan Kappas. That's Nathan crazy. Char- Charles. Dude, that's nuts. <laughs> wow. Fist bumps to that. Props. You can add the sound effect in later for that, right? No sound effect necessary. But what were you saying? What better way to start off this podcast besides introducing ourselves? Well, why don't we talk about the best and the worst commercials from the Super Bowl that just recently happened? I'm not even going to go into what it is in Roman numerals. I think it's 49, maybe. The Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) They need to step their game up. We're already up to 87. Yeah. What the fuck are they doing? Once a year. That's cute. Most watched fucking TV program of all time. Well, yeah, I mean, they only did one the whole year. Yeah, like. I mean, they have a whole year. <laughs> Do you know how much money you can save up for whatever you're doing if you save all year for it? All right, cool. Super Bowl commercials. Let's talk about them. You know what? Frankly, I'm over Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, I, especially by the time this comes out. It's like the week after. Oh, no, I mean in general. Like Oh, just all. It's not. They're not that good. There's usually like a couple, one or two, that are that are genuinely good. And usually because of some character or something like that that you haven't seen in a long time. And it's cool to see... Walter White. That actor or character again. That's almost always the ones that are good. And like, uh, you know what would have helped if this year maybe they didn't start showing all the Super Bowl commercials like weeks, even months ahead of time? Online. I was just going to say, that's probably why like we're not super pumped for them because... We find out about them a week or two in advance, so we don't even really need to that's, watch that, the Super wow, Bowl to see them. It. The the uh, Bud Light real life Pac Man one they've been showing that on like every YouTube video. Yeah, I've been skipping it, so I had no idea it was Pac Man. Honestly, I don't. 
They you may have seen it on I don't a YouTube think I've video. Seen they it. they set a beer down on the bar and it goes like like the little Pac-Man okay. noise that I did a horrible job of imitating. And then this guy comes in and she's like, "If you get a beer and it's set up like a hidden camera thing." So I thought it was one of those hidden camera which it's supposed to look like a hidden camera but it's obviously not it's obviously you know? well polished and then she's like would you be down for anything and he's like sure whatever just give me a beer or whatever and then it shows him and his friend walking down the street afterwards and they find this giant quarter and they're like what the hell and they pick it up and put it in the giant quarter slot and this door opens and they go into this like packed nightclub with this big pac-man maze and like you you're pac-man and they throw him in there and there's like neon lights but he's and not really pac-man and- he's just a person no, um, he's not. Yeah, he's just and it's it's all done as if it could have really happened. Like they could have really set up this thing and there were lights on the floor. And as he ran over him, they went out like he was collecting the pellets. Yeah. And I mean, it would be cool if it was real. I would go there and play. But uh, lame commercial. And they've been showing it to us <laughs> for fucking weeks. That's the that's the next new thing to do. Like instead of going to play laser tag, go to play real life Pac-Man. Hell yeah. I would definitely be down for that. You know, because uh, you know what that means that real life Mario Kart's not that far away. I mean, it, um, Nathan, where you work, there's a go kart track above That's you. That's not real life Mario Kart. <laughs> oh, just because there's no blue shells? But then that fucking salt and pepper one, they've been showing online for months, dude. Yeah, well, that's also been on TV before. On TV too, yeah. Like, so that's that, not like a Super Bowl commercial. But it, no, it, it is. Regular... That's that's apparently Geico's Super Bowl commercial. This uh, year. No, Geico, Geico can suck it. I really liked that commercial when it first came out. Yeah, but got tired of it about the third time I saw it's it. It's not but... allowed to be credited as a Super Bowl commercial just because it played during the Super Bowl commercial. Seriously, I don't buy it, Geico. You that's released lazy. that months on TV before it wasn't aired during the Super Bowl for the first time, not online. <clears throat> Well, like you had said, uh, you're not really into them anymore. I mean, me personally, I checked out of the game at halftime, came back halfway through the fourth quarter. Thank God that face, that face on Richard Sherman at the end of Heartbreak. Oh, it meant the world to me. It did. I froze frame it. I got the right perfect spot, took a picture, put it online and found out now it's a meme. They used my picture. I'm, I'm calling it. I could have used ESPN's picture, but. Did they, they really use your picture? Well, no, oh, no, but the picture exact. I took was the exact same freeze frame. Like, yeah, and I yeah. took it just, you know, zooming in on the TV. But I digress. I did get to check out a lot of them, and I brought to the table today my three favorite commercials and also my three least favorite commercials, as in the worst. From this year's Super Bowl, of course. Oh, it was just this year's Super Bowl? <laughs> Damn it! Oh, I had one from 87 that was a classic. A hanker for a hunker of cheese. How did you know? <laughs> Get out of my head. Oh, man. No, seriously. You had, you were talking about how shitty the Budweiser Pac-Man one was. Well, they had a pretty big dick move. I don't know if you saw the one where it's just... It starts off and, you know, the classic Budweiser style. It's just, like, focusing on the beer and how it's made. And, like, this music, like... Hey! Like, you know... I've heard that song... There's nobody talking in it, and there's just like title cards. You know, they're flashing, they're flashing words on the screen. And first off, I'm like, "Boo! You're making me read. I'm trying to watch Super Bowl commercials, not read." <laughs> if I wanted to read, I'd grab my favorite book. But as but as these words are scrolling and flashing on the screen, they're basically saying Budweiser is awesome. We aren't no namby pamby craft beer. Oh. And then they made fun of the people that drink it. They said, you, basically calling out hipsters. They had a picture of this dude with a crazy mustache, you know, just like sniffing his beer. And he's like, if you want to just uh, sniff and taste it, 
He's like, this is for men who want to drink beer. It's like, this beer is not meant to be sniffed. Budweiser. <laughs> this beer is not meant to be sipped and shared with your friends. Budweiser is not meant to be shared with your friends? Well, the one beer. They want you oh, to drink okay. your own. Do hipsters share? I feel like hipsters well, don't they're like, share their hmm, beer. This is a good, tasty craft brew here. And then they go, you try it. And then, and then their friends like, yeah, you're right. This is this is pretty good. And he's like, I liked it before it was cool. <laughs> I liked it before you. You know, did. you could finish it. I'm really not that into it. I'm anymore. over it already. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, they're calling out micro brews, and they said we're proud to be a macro brew, is what they said. And I was like, yeah, it tastes like a fucking macro brew. Generic. Sorry, Budweiser. I'll take my Namby Pamby. Uh, what was it they called? Pumpkin Peach L. Maybe not without the peach. How about just pumpkin L? <laughs> But it's funny that they took a shot at that specific uh, beer when a small microbrewery company they just bought, Elysium Beer, has a beer called Pumpkin Peach Ale. Dick move, they're, Budweiser. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Starting off being assholes. I, if I can tell everybody to switch over to Blue Light, go for it. Screw you, Budweiser. Okay, that was my number one. Got that off my chest. I just wanted to vent about... Number one worst commercial was that one? Well... Just, I, it's not in order, I okay. guess. They're just, just the three, three best, really three bad worst. ones. Yeah. Okay. And then picture this. Dig if I will the picture. The game's just starting. You're getting into it. It's a zero-zero tied game, but there's been some progress on either side, so it hasn't been totally boring yet. And you're excited. You go and grab a big scoop of chicken wing dip. And as you're putting it in your mouth, this kid comes on the television and this sad, dramatic music plays. <laughs> and he just says, I'll never learn to ride a bike. Yeah, I'll never learn. I'll never get cooties. I'll never get cooties. <laughs> I'll never get to fly because I'm dead. <laughs> I don't think it said that specifically. <laughs> and then suddenly, like, just the most metal song kicks yeah. in. It's like, we're gonna No, um, that commercial. Oh my God! Such a downer. With a spoon is a nationwide, which is insurance, right? Yes. Yeah. Buy now, our buy our insurance, or you don't care about your children, and they'll die. Back to the game. I get the importance of you know making people aware that these are small things you might not think about around the house that could be dangerous. Uh, but wrong place, wrong time. Well, that's nationwide preying on emotion. It is to get money, which is all advertising is, even when they're making you laugh. But still, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I it, want a Snickers bar now. It feels a little cheaper when they're playing on like your love for your for children. Like, and can you just imagine the middle aged mother of a young child who is basically just watching the Super Bowl for the commercials with her husband or, you know, out at a party or something. And they're like, oh, the commercials are on. And it's like one of the first ones she sees and she just goes, I got to call my agent. You got to call your insurance agent. agent. Those are the worst. The commercials that pull at your heartstrings, I hate the most because it's almost like pretentious and this transparently like just buy our products. And, you know, like I, uh, there's, there was one this year about like, dads and like i hate it i hate those commercials they make me sad and i resent them for it <laughs> yeah no. uh speaking of dads and preying on emotions you just clocked right into my other worst one uh nissan cats in the cradle you kind of misunderstood what that song was about and how it ended because i don't think that i saw had this a... one. Oh, okay i thought that was what you were even talking about just just a second ago the one where they're all like daddy no, oh, no, no, no. The one I was talking about was the Dove 
commercial, which ooh, that's a whole fucking can of worms we'll get into right that. there. I'm, I'm going still. Yeah. High floor. Okay. But yo, okay. So this is a different one. It's a Nissan commercial and uh, it's the Joe Cocker song, Cats in the Cradle, starts playing. Child arrived just the other day. And like, you know, babies, people are in labor, babies coming out. The dad's like, oh, my baby. Uh. And then, you know, the song's playing and turns out he's a F1 racer with Nissan as his sponsor. Go figure. <clears throat> And the song keeps playing and, you know, the kid's at home doing kid things and, you know, mom's watching him on TV as he's getting into car accidents and coming out okay because Nissan is amazing and safe. <clears throat> and then basically it's like, you know, it's showing he's growing up, the kid's growing up and he, dad's not around, he's still driving, but dad's like, I'm coming home, son. You know, he's got his bags on and it's like cats in the cradle in the silver spoon, little boy. Bl-. I'm not going to sing anymore. He might get sued by Nissan and Joe Cocker. And as the song's like culminating towards the end of, you know, the first verse, it shows the dad sitting in his Altima, Nissan Altima, by the way, right outside the kid's school. He comes out and he looks at him, just like shakes his head, smiles and like walks towards the car. They get in, they look at each other and they just embrace with a mighty hug. And now that's cool. They love each other. They now have time for each other, which is not what the song is about. The, the, The dad found out that the kid did grow up to be just like him and had no time for his old pa when pa wanted to chat. Oh, okay. that's real shit right there. Nissan, you got it wrong, bad. Well, they were got being ironic. They were hipsters doing a piss poor job of it. We love our dads, ironically, of course, because it's not cool. <laughs> dad, <laughs> you're going to teach me to drive now, dad. Guess what? I already learned from watching you on TV. The Dove commercial. Did you see it was uh, it was real strength. You know, a year or two ago, Dove launches this campaign, Real Beauty, creates this whole controversy about that because it seems to just come from this whole cheap, misogynistic point of view in the first place. And they, yeah, they have well, all those these... are the people that are making the commercials. Say, eh? yeah, they're they like, now think this is what we want. Well, they're like, women appreciate yourself for for you, for what you are and how you look. And they still had like specific criteria when they like cast the models for Real Beauty, and they still yeah. photoshopped them and heavily made up. And like, and wouldn't let anyone over like outside of certain age ranges or with scars or with any cellulite or like anything be in the photo shoots. Now they, they follow this up with their new campaign, Real Strength. This one's focused on men. Oh, for men, Because of course, beauty equals for women, strength equals for men. Now what they would have done that would have been probably the right route to go is do real beauty for men and real strength for women. Right. That would have been the route to do. Oh, turn the tables on gender roles and stereotypes. <laughs> Bam! You didn't even see that coming. Crumpled them. Blew your mind. That sound. Psh, that's your mind blowing. This is the exact. Neurons firing. In, like, in the meeting, in like the corporate <laughs> oh, office. Yeah. And then like one guy gets up, starts clapping. And then nobody this else gets, gets up. It. Nobody else gets up. They're just looking. <laughs> it was the duck. <laughs> no, the duck was there too. He was... He's the president of the company. But they're just staring at this guy, and they, they, they go, Johnson, stop clapping. And they look at him, and they go, get out. <laughs> Let's go with our new campaign, Real Strength for Men. That's what people know. <laughs> They'll be comfortable with it. But yeah, they tried to hit with your heartstrings about, like, good dads, and men are strong when they care, because the product's called Dove Care Plus or something. Strength. Like, skin care, <laughs> extra strength. Oh, it makes you strong? Caring. And buying our soap. Yeah, stay away from Old Spice, please. Please. 
And then there was the McDonald's one where apparently now you can pay with love. Uh. I learned the hard way that that doesn't mean what it sounds like. (laughs) Oh, man. You will get banned from that McDonald's. Who posted your bail? (laughs) I got to say, I'm almost somewhat enticed to go to McDonald's and actually go in and show my face in a McDonald's and hope that that happens to me because I'd just be like, I just want to dance. <laughs> I'm doing what I love and I'm getting free food. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're like, call your mom and tell her you love her. And it's like, well, you know, I don't, my mom died. Or like, <laughs> yeah. What, oh, yeah. My, my mom's actually really abusive and me and the rest of the family sep- severed ties with her. And it was the hardest thing we ever had to do, but it was for the better. <laughs> Can I just pay for my meal, please? Yeah, so the, literally the one guy, there was one guy in that commercial, they, they asked him to do something. He goes, how about you just tell me the total? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that is. He's like, huh? I'm grumpy, old, and alone. Just let me pay for my fucking fries. He's got a lot of ones. He's like, I'm ready. All I wanted was a raspberry tea. All right, so let's hear it, Craig. What are your three favorite Super Bowl commercials? I feel like I know what one of them is probably going to be. Oh, yeah? It was probably a lot of people's favorites. Jurassic World trailer. That counts? Oh, okay. Sweet. That was... Um, so, the first when we saw the first trailer online and everything, I was like, yeah, it looks cool, whatever. But when I saw this during the Super Bowl and the, ne- the new trailer, you know, they had all the CGI more polished and everything. The moment I saw that pterodactyl pluck somebody off the ground, I was like, oh, this shit is fucking serious. <laughs> this, this preview and... Let me preface this for any of the new listeners with the fact that I'm a fucking Jurassic Park Aholic. fanboy. Like, yeah, I'm addicted to Jurassic Park a hall. And uh, there's some good rum. I have a crippling dependency on Jurassic Park a hall. Um, I this this new trailer made me both twice as excited to see this movie and twice as sure that it's gonna be lame. Yeah, <laughs> but I still. Can't fucking wait. Chris Pratt Uh, running with the Raptors. (laughs) I do hope that we get some better, some good practical effects in there. Because I saw a lot of CG that isn't that great, but... Well, I'm definitely not going to be going for the unique storytelling. Uh, The trailers were the one thing that I was most looking forward to. That I still enjoy out of the Super Bowl. Did you see the Heroes trailer i did heroes reborn the little was it the little just a 15 second teaser there was yeah the little girl out in the snow and then making hrg the turns his face and then chuck is standing off to the side yeah that's who that is isn't it yeah the chuck you remember chuck i don't but uh, the yeah. show chuck you used to watch oh it. that chuck i didn't um, watch it you didn't watch it no, i thought I, you did watch it i didn't really like it that's my I, dad watched it i think the guy from chuck is that guy with the binoculars that was watching them in the yeah Heroes Reborn oh, okay, coming yeah. back? Probably going to be suck. as lame as another thing, but I'm still excited because you know what's weird is like okay, Walking Dead. I still get super excited for all the new comics, and I still watch the ep- the show even though it s- kind of sucks. I don't get excited for it though. I just kind of like oh cool, I have something to watch tonight. Heroes, even when it sucked, I still kind of got excited for it every week. Maybe this is going to be the week that it'll finally be good. It's got to turn sometime. It has so much potential. <laughs> so anyways, let's... Did you see the Snickers commercial with Danny Trejo and, uh, yes, and Steve Buscemi? Yes, the one. That's yes. another one of your favorites? Yeah, it was. That was great. It was. And it wasn't exactly... I was like, oh shit, Danny Trejo, this is so awesome. And then I was like, Steve Buscemi, when he said 
It's never about me. <laughs> well, yeah, the whole idea was Snickers has been on this whole you're, you're not else. yourself when you're hungry and they'll have people like Joe Pesci or somebody just be all pissed off and angry and they're yeah. like, come on, man, calm down. You're not yourself. Or Betty have a White Snickers. playing football. And then they eat the Snickers and they turn back into themselves. Um, this was the Brady Bunch and Danny Trejo was Marsha. <laughs> and <laughs> I fucking love Danny Trejo. Yeah, me too. That guy is so cool. And then Steve Buscemi <laughs> was Jan up on the stairs. Surprise at the ending, yeah. I think they need to do one with Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> I got your fucking face. Here, just have a Snickers, man. Break yourself tonight. I don't want no fucking Snickers, you punk at, you know? Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I could have <laughs> handled one more second as Fred Durst. You saved me. He picks up this piece of paper. He's like, was this, was I writing these lyrics? Oh, God. <laughs> what the hell is chocolate starfish mean? Ew. Oh, man. And what was your other, your last but not least favorite? Okay, so we've talked about the commercials that pull and tug at your heartstrings. And this one did it so well to me. Oh, and unfortunately, it was Budweiser and there was a lost puppy. Okay, with the horses. With the horses and the the wolf. uh, And then uh, a weird cover of 500 Miles. This is 500 Miles by uh, the Proclaimers. But not by the Proclaimers. yeah, not 1,000 Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Don't right. get it confused. That would have been cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the reclaimers. <laughs> da da um, So what happened? The puppy was lost, and he ended up on, like, the guy's truck or something? Or in the No, wh- the, the puppy lived with, the, with them. Oh, he did live yeah. with them. And they went on a trip, and he went on the truck with them oh. and fell out of the truck. He, like... Snuck on like Jeff Goldblum's yeah, yeah. daughter he, in Jurassic Park too. No, he was on there and he accidentally fell out and you know was running around. Guy didn't know the puppy was lost and then he realized the puppy's lost, you know. And uh, so the puppy's trying to find its way back to home to its buddy, the good old Clydesdale, a Budweiser, Anheuser Busch, good beer. <laughs> don't don't drink it if you're a hipster. Don't tell them that. Yeah. That's why they did. They told <laughs> them that just so they they'd do it. And they'd be like, "Oh, word." They're like, "I'm drinking Budweiser in protest of Budweiser." Okay. I'm doing it ironically. <laughs> awesome. This, I love this. This little time we have with each other, I liking this a lot. So, anyways, the puppies try to find its way back, and somehow it gets close to where they were and runs into a pack oh, a wolf. And wow, this puppy's fucked. Yeah, that wolf oh is pissed, too. He's like, well, I'm going to fuck you up. Which I'm going to get lunch. Like, I know a wolf might, but I feel like the wolf would have just let that puppy go or taken Probably. it in like a little Mowgli. Probably, maybe. Then it realizes it can't hunt with the rest of them and it gets, you know, sh- shit to the end of the bag. Yeah, but- so, anyways, this puppy is, is faced up against a full dire wolf. Who was not a dire wolf, an actual to come wolf. to protect him. And then the fucking horses came up and he was Scared like, scared the wolf he was like, away. It's all cool, bro. And the horses were like, like, just my friend. I can't like, understand you. Get away. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So the Clydesdales come and chase him off and bring the puppy home. And then the dad's like, oh, my puppy. I almost forgot that you were lost. <laughs> <laughs> and he just picks him up. <laughs> Budweiser. <laughs> Forget your woes. <laughs> yeah, I was drinking a lot of Bud at the time. <laughs> I was I was actually enjoying myself again, drinking Bud. So the Walter White commercial wasn't one of your favorites. 
No, and I'll tell you why. Because I could have sworn I heard somewhere he said he was never going to reprise the role again, and then it was like he just did it for an insurance commercial. <laughs> Although I'll give it the fact that I I fangasmed a little bit when I did see it, but in the grand spectrum of things, outside my little geek, I thought it was funny. You know, the lady yeah. shows up at the pharmacy and she's like, "You're not my normal pharmacist." And, <laughs> What's you know, your normal pharmacist look like? Walter White, the meth dealer from Breaking Bad. Oh, whoa, whoa. He's not quite a dealer. He's a cook. Get it right. Okay. But the thing about that was they were actually doing quotes from the show. What he yeah. was doing it. was like, say my name. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Heisenberg. <laughs> I also liked, as I said, a lot of the best commercials usually have to do with return, the return of a great character or something or actor or someone you haven't seen in a while. Did you see the one where Alf was back? Elf? Yeah, Alien Life Form. Yeah, he uh, came back last year, too. Oh, yeah? In a Radio Shack commercial. Oh, okay. No, yeah, like I think it was another Radio Shack. He wants Radio to... Shack's just like, yo, the reason why no, that last... It wasn't. It was It was okay. Androids or Galaxy Samsung okay. phones or something. <laughs> Close. Elf wants to play music on his phone, but he can't because the fucking iPod Classic doesn't fucking exist anymore. I thought you were going to say uh, his iPhone 6 just died. Can't figure it out, and he's like, why can't I just buy an iPod Classic? This is bullshit. said, you can, Alf. Just go to Amazon.com. You can still spend get $500 on a refurbished piece of junk. $128. Is that how he laughed? How did he laugh? No, seriously. I found one free shipping, $110, 128 gigs. Not bad. Not bad price. It was new, supposedly. No. You're not, you did not find a new on one. On Amazon. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. A brand new iPod Classic, 120 gigs for $120. Brand new. Bullshit. Free shipping. I found it. I'll Bullshit. show you. Show me. You're going you're gonna to be... So, oh, it's been too long since I found it. Alf wasn't really pissed about the iPod Classic. Or at least if he was, he didn't bring it. He was professional enough not to bring it up during the commercial. Well, good for him. <laughs> did you see the Dreaming with Jeff commercial? Dreaming with Jeff. Jeff Bridges? Yeah. It was for Squarespace, the yeah. web design. Squarespace is awesome. I went and looked this looked this up. I, I hate I hate it. That's another thing I don't like when commercials try to like get me to go to a website without telling me what it is. They try to intrigue me in, enough into going and typing it in. I just I want to out of sheer defiance not. You want me to wait a minute? Yeah, I swear to God. Um I just gotta find it real quick. Dude, just show me later. Okay. It's not there. You're wasting your time. It is. It was. You I sh- had it. You show me later. Yeah. That's another thing that I really fucking hate about commercials is when they put up a, a website URL and try to just intrigue you into going there to see what the commercial was about. Oh, you know, like what GoDaddy used to do. Did see they? more okay. at GoDaddy.com. And it's like, bullshit. You're not going to actually show Danica Patrick naked. Where it's vague and you're like, what is that commercial for? Is more like what I mean. Like where it's just like, what is this commercial for? And, and all it has is a website. So you're like, I got to go check it. I'm, I, I just, that makes me want to defy the curiosity. Because. And be like, nope, fuck you. I'm you not know that's what they want. trap. Yep. No, I ain't going to your fucking website. I'll ask somebody else if they went. Nope, 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 nope. You're trying to muckle bay me. But you put Jeff Bridges into the equation. Okay, I buckle. I'll go to fucking dreamingwithjeff.com and see what this is all about. Jeff Bridges recorded 
you can download the album for free or make a donation that goes entirely to this charity for children. It's a it's an album that he recorded that's all like spoken word mixed with like ambient soundscapes mixed with like him and other people talking that he recorded and oh. like it, it's really weird and it's supposed to help you fall asleep. I would download it. I would even donate if it's for a good cause. I had assumed since a Squarespace was a website builder that it was just somebody who uses Squarespace at random, you know, their website that they created with Squarespace. And they liked Jeff Bridges a lot. <laughs> and just, Jeff just Bridges was him. like, let's make a commercial out of this. I no, like Jeff Bridges website. didn't know he was he was recorded when he wasn't paying attention or looking <laughs> <laughs> without his knowledge. Sometimes I have trouble sleeping at night. <laughs> He's talking. Just roll. Just roll. <laughs> I figure other people might have that problem, too. God, um, thank you, Jeff Bridges, for all your outer monologue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, of course, a ploy on how Jeff Bridges designed this website for his album that he made using Squarespace, but I was really intrigued, and the album sounds cool. I really like fucking weird soundscape, ambient, like, cool, dream, dreamy shit like that. Me too. Why not? Especially to fall asleep to. And there's so many more that we could talk about, uh, so many more that there would be things to say about, but let's kind of wrap this up. I got one more, though. It was a Doritos commercial in which... Okay, Doritos had some goings in the past. This kid, he's on a farm or something. He walks up to this guy. The kid must be like 11. The guy must be like at least mid to late 20s. And he's creepy he's got already. A, I like it. A whole big giant bag of Doritos he's eating. That's no, probably his uncle or something. The kid does or the, or the guy does? The, the older guy does. And he's eating a whole full size, party size bag. And uh kid walks up and he's like, hey, Ralph, can I have a few Doritos? And he's like, yeah, of course you can. When pigs can fly. Oh, <laughs> and the kid gets oh, he all got burned. him. He got him good and dead. Oh, you, you got burned, little kid. You tell him, Ralph. Yeah. Kick his ass, Ralph. He's holding up a, like a 10.0 sign. Like, perfect 10. Burned him good, you dead. He's going to need some burn cream. Better stop by the pharmacy on your way home, boy. See, yeah, it is kind of funny that, like, why was Ralph so brazen and, like, rude to this kid? Give him some of those Doritos. You got a big-ass bag, These dude. These are my like, Doritos, kid. I don't share. <laughs> Listen, don't you understand that half this bag was air to begin with? So the kid draws up some blueprints, Tony Stark's on their asses, and oh shit, Iron affixes Man? a rocket to the back of a, a real-life pig and launches it. And he's like, hey, Ralph, check it out. And the pig goes flying. And it's just... Oh. That's kind of horrifying, too. For some Doritos? Dude. <laughs> like, he, he looks <laughs> Ralph in the eyes, and he's like, that pig's blood is on your hands, yeah, Ralph. Yeah, for real. No, with the money you spent buying <laughs> that little chance. rocket to make the pig fly, you could have bought, like, 12 bags of Doritos. All right, so that's that. Let's... uh. Let's move on to news so we can take a look at our topic. Oh, what are we doing this week? Well, it was your suggestion, Craig, and Yeah, but I'm I'm a little spacey. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty pumped for this one. I, I've always thought this would be a great episode of Fairpoint. We're looking at Drist the word and I pronounced or his name correctly, right? Drizzit, I think. I think it's Drist. It's it's spelled like you would say Drist or Drizzed 
or something along that line. But in one of the, the first books, when he comes to the surface, some random little girl talks to him and he says his name to her and she replies back to him, Drizzit. But it also said that uh, she was saying it wrong. <laughs> so I guess now I just remembered that part. <laughs> so, if you can get that out, that'd be kind of cool. Or not, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> and uh, he responds to her, no, you little snot nose shit, now get the fuck out of my face. Chaotic good, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, this is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Sweet. Like, there's Batman and Homer Simpson tied at the top right there. I'd said this before. Then just slightly below it is just Dorden. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's move into news. We both got... A bottle of wine that's still relatively full. Mine's simply naked. Pretty much full. Mine's middle sister. Put them together and whoa, guys, come on. That's, <laughs> simply that's your naked sister. middle that's sister. That's your sister you're talking about. Oh, what do you got? What are you trying to do over here? Be like, what are you? You trying to be like ancient royalty or something? Go on, Nathan. Say what you wanted to say. Why did you buy that bottle of wine that you're holding? Oh, well, because Judy Funny's on it. <laughs> Judy Funny, that being Doug Funny's older sister, the beatnik? Oh, yeah, it's totally her. I mean, it, it, every bottle of middle sister has three girls, and the two on the out, outer sides, the left are and plain right, Janes. are yeah. kind of plain, and the one in the middle's got some style. Sass. This flair. one has sass. And this one clearly is Judy Funny. She's got the turtleneck. She's got a skirt. She's got platform shoes. She's got Does she the have short the red hair. She's got eyes. She doesn't have the beret. No. A beret, that's what it was. You're right, she's missing a beret. Thank you. You could have told me that while we were still at the fucking store. Do you think they Listen, take returns? it's still Judy Funny. She just left it at home. Do you think they'll take a three-quarters full bottle of wine back? They will not. If I, t- if I point out that she's not wearing the beret, though. I don't even think they would take an unopened <laughs> bottle back, even with a receipt. <laughs> They'd be like, um, we don't do that shit here. You bought it, you drink it, or give it away. I don't care, but don't bring it back here. Sold. My money. Mine. So how does it taste? Well, I don't know. I have to taste it. I've, uh, you have drinking. Hopefully. <laughs> drinking. Wow, I've drankin' enough. You drank like a little bit of it. How yeah, do you not know what it tastes definitely like? Definitely wasn't even a quarter of it yet. I've had a few sips. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm nervous that it's going to... Remember last time we drank wine on the podcast? It turned drunk. us into Rudyard... Cl- no, but it turned us into Rudyard Kipling. Every time we sipped, so I was just kind of, I was kind of nervous that it was going to do that again. She's a rebel. Oh, this wine is great, but I just wish I had some Budweiser. That's all I drink, Douglas. Oh, woe is me. Hand to the forehead. Right, right. I can't do an impression of Judy Funny, but that's what I. That was the wine. That that was the wine. Was the wine? (laughs) You know what mine made me do? get naked oh god <laughs> craig you're not allowed to that's... it's it's simple it's simply naked i think you've had enough craig so joe dante's back in the directing chair again and he's doing a horror comedy joe dante horror comedy what sounds was the last like a match horror comedy he did I don't know. I know know Gremlins was really good, though. It was. And I've been looking at his uh, IMDb page recently. Mm, Do not like I have it right here. Uh Uh-oh, your wine still makes you sound like Rudyard Kipling. (laughs) Mm, Yes, naked Rudyard Kipling. No, he he really hasn't done a lot of good things, but he's done okay horror stuff, 
He's done terrible comedies and he's done great horror comedies. So fingers crossed. The premise of this sounds kind of dumb. It's, it's uh, set for a summer release of this year. It's called Burying Your Ex with uh, Anton Yelking. Is that the name of it or is Anton Yelkin the An actor. actor. Okay. So it's not Burying Your Ex with Anton Yelkin. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Burying Your Ex, comma, with Anton Yelkin starring in the lead role. Uh, you might know him as, ah, damn, Star Trek. People will know him from Star Trek. Who is the, uh, since I hate the show Star Trek, I really can't think of that character's name. Uh, who was the one that was had like the speech impediment in Star Trek? And in the movie, which Star Trek? Vip, 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 whatever the, the guy that talked like that. Oh, in the movie, so it'd be with Kirk, the original, I guess, cast. Not from the original series. Well, the character is, but he played him in the new one. Okay. Um, he was also Charlie Bartlett. That's what I remember him from. But there was an indie film that a lot of people might wait, not have seen. I vaguely remember who was. It was fucking Chekhov. That's who it was. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Now there was a real big Star Trek guy, so he was Russian and he was yeah. he was like really nervous and inexperienced or something. Yeah. yeah, he also played John Connor in Terminator Salvation. If you've seen that now, and he was the main character in the Fright Night remake. So now I'm sure somebody out of all those movies I just said has seen one of them. Sure, sure. And if you haven't, you probably won't be listening to this podcast anyways. I don't know if that's true. I haven't seen either of those. You haven't seen Star Trek, Terminator, Salvation, Fright Night, or Charlie Bartlett? I've seen Star Trek. Okay. There you go. There you go. One of them. One of them. I've seen all of them. Charlie Bartlett's the best out of them all, by the way. Robert Downey Jr., awesome drunk principal. He's always a drunk, isn't he? So so what's this? the premise of this movie? Oh, right. So this guy is dating this girl, right? And like... And like he's like, whoa, baby, you, you're getting too close. You got to back off, huh? Please back off. Won't you back off? You, oh, you're smothering me. You're smothering me. And then he's about to break up with her, and he doesn't because she gets uh, accidentally murdered first. Well, it was an accident. She got hit by a car, but she was killed in a car crash. Okay. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm free now. Oh, my God, I didn't even have to break up with her. Wow, what a, wow, what a right? dick. What a so prick. he goes on his, you know, his life being happy now again because he doesn't have this giant weight on his goddamn shoulders. Dude, that would make me feel worse. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole in that regard. But somehow she comes back from the dead and now she's a zombie and she's like being all super clingy again. And he's like, oh my God, she's a zombie and she's now trying to marry me. This movie sounds lame. It's uh, the Maybe it's good- just the way you told it. <laughs> Dude, 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 dude. It's going to be the feel-good movie of the summer. Swear to it. Disclaimer, Craig Lewis does not actually think this. I'm going to cut that part out. It's going to say, disclaimer, Craig does actually think this. Cut what I said. So be like, Craig does actually think this. <laughs> better not. Better better not. Oh, well, anyways, I got a big one for you. What do you get when you cross white trash, a purse, an iPod, and a handgun. White trash, a purse, an iPod, and a handgun. Oh, well, that's easy. Lindsay Lohan. Oh, you were so close. So <laughs> close, because this might be her future. Or her past. I'm still not sure. <laughs> well, anyways, what you get is a toddler that accidentally shot both his mom and dad. Well, yeah. Where do you think you got the toddler, Craig? Lindsay Lohan. She stole it? <laughs> or did she have it? 
One or the other. She's always doing one or the other. Okay. So let me set up the scene for you. It's a shoddy motel that a family is living out of. New Albuquerque, New Mexico. Coincidence? Same place where Walter White cooked the crystal blue meth? Probably a coincidence. Okay. Well, who knows? Maybe they had some. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I'm not judging anybody here. What did happen was their three-year-old son wanted to listen to his mom's iPod. Classic, probably. Yeah, I yeah. would imagine if he actually had an active want to use it to listen to music, it was probably an iPod classic. While his parents are, you know, chilling on the couch watching the TV, uh, <clears throat> he reaches into mama's purse, right? Accidentally pulls out a handgun, sets it off, shoots dad in the butt, goes through the dad's butt. That actually, you're, what actually happened was he actually did get the iPod first, and he was just <laughs> he like, put it on. He was like, what the fuck is this, Chris? Chris Brown, Chris Brown, Nickelback. Oh, no, it's Kid what Rock. What the fuck? Kid Rock? <laughs> Kid Rock? God Who damn has... you. You know what? I wasn't going to give you Chris Brown and Nickelback until I saw Chris Rock. I'll give you Chris Brown and Nickelback now, but what the Kid fuck? Kid Rock? Lip like, you know Biscuit? What? <laughs> oh my God, where are the fucking wiggles? <laughs> and then he's like, there's only one way to deal with this. He pulls out the gun and he's like, hostage situation. I'm going to kill one of these hostages every hour until they bring back the iPod classic. <laughs> He's like, now, if only I had some Steve Miller band to listen to while doing this. <laughs> so, shoots the gun. Actually, no, he was listening to uh, uh, Cats in the Cradle. <laughs> oh, shit. Joe Cocker's haunting me again. Oh, no, this was Ugly Kid Joe's version. So, the gun goes off, shoots through the dad's butt, and into the mom's shoulder. Oh, my God. Yeah, twofer. This kid killed JFK? He didn't kill anybody. <laughs> he just wounded them both. Yeah, as far as you know. Twofer. Mama's pregnant. Uh-oh. And they just had to throw in, for no reason, that there was another two-year-old kid in the house that was unarmed. I don't know why they even bothered to say that there was. It was just like, oh, and there's also a two-year-old in the house? Ah, oh, she had a handgun. Anyways, parents are probably... Not definitely. Most likely going to be charged with criminal negligence. Hopefully. I mean, like, who keeps a loaded handgun in their fucking purse with... Uh, do you think, like, they were ducking, like, drug dealers or something? Or mafia? I don't know. That's I think, why they were in a motel living there? I think he was a chip off his mom's shoulder and busted... Oh, he and, took one! And he busted a cap in his dad's ass. Oh, he took them both! He went there. Yes. <laughs> No, but seriously, up the dad's butt, through it. I'm guessing he was a bigger guy it's, because it like went through nothing but fat, you know, and exited cleanly straight to a shoulder. Then it ricocheted off of that, hit the TV. Now the kid's really crying because Barney's gone. It was a mess. It was a mess. Who knows? But that, that right there has made my personal news story of the year. So far. Oh, wow. I was going to say already. I said Craig's so far. Like, done. Done. News story of the year. Star Wars 7. Done. Picture a world in the Dungeons and Dragons universe, the realms of forgotten realms. The world is Faerun. Now, hundreds of miles below the surface, there's a whole society of people 
different inhabitants than on the surface. The city is Menzelberanzen. The people are the Dark Elves, or the Drow. One of these elves is going to fight against their societal ideals and go against the grain any chance he can. This elf's name is Drist Dorden. He's a fucking rebel. He's like, fuck, man, fuck authority. He's a rebel with a cause, It's like man. that Pennywise song. He's like, yeah, I'm punk rock. Super punk rock. Rebel every chance I can. So, we are deep down underground, okay? No light at all. These people see with infrared. Underground. Mm. So hold on, back up, back up. So it's Drist Thord, and as you said, it may or may not be Drizzit, Drizd, Drist. He's a dark a elf. A lot of these words are hard to pronounce, very hard to pronounce. And this is from a Dungeons and Dragons series of books known as the Forgotten Realms. Yes, owned by Dungeons and Dragons. So what is the Forgotten Realms, Craig? They literally are like realms that have been forgotten? I suppose I've only... Uh, <laughs> like, so the other characters in the other realms know about the fact that there's all these yeah. different realms and these guys... Well, the thing is, the Forgotten Realms is all in the world of Faerun, I guess. So it's just... I mean, the Forgotten Realms, I think, is just the name of the publishing company. And it's just one world and different stories that happen in different parts of the world. Okay, that's my understanding of it, and that's the ways I'm going to take it. And this character, Drist Doerden, is a dro. A dro. As in, like, got that dro. That's no. like he's a fucking pothead. No. All he does, not. he has no ambition. He's just said not to say that, like, not to say, I'm no not ambition. trying to imply that if you smoke pot, you have no ambition, you're lazy. But this particular you know, one. Yeah, correlation does not equal causation, but lazy people like pot a lot. And. Drist is one of those guys. He's a dro. They don't even call him a pothead. They just call him straight dro. Uh, it's funny because if you knew the guy, you'd think not that. <laughs> no, a dro, D-R-O-W. Sometimes pronounced draw. I've heard that too. I've heard a lot of people tell me different it, ways are the yeah. ways you're supposed to say it. I'm going to say dro because that's the way I read it. And it's funnier. Yeah. I guess. That's dark elves in the Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like mythology. Yeah, they're an evil society of people. They worship this spider god named Loth. Which is a spider goddess, too. They, yes, have, a, a goddess. they have a matriarchal society where the women are always the, the ones in power. The women are in power and the men are just fodder. But yeah, and they also have a class structure of houses, like numbered yeah, the different families are different houses, sort of like in Scotland. Yeah. So this character, Drizzt, was born into the House of Doerden. House of Doerden. They were the wise. eighth house. Okay. Uh, they were actually the ninth, but the night that Drizzt was born, they raided House Devere, who was the eighth house, destroyed their house, and now they're the new eighth house. This oh, is so how, it's like a ranking. Yeah, this is how the house system works. And if you destroy a house, you can move ahead. Well, of you have to have a successful raid. And if you have an unsuccessful raid, then there's penalties against your house. And they're, of course, subterranean. Like the light bothers them. Sunlight bothers them. Yes. They see with infrared. And they live down beneath the bowels of the earth. Well, not beneath the bowels of the earth, but with, the within the bowels of the earth. Yes. <laughs> Their bowels are clean. <laughs> they live in the black hole. They also have the ability to summon impenetrable darkness. Just like 
magical orbs of it. They all can do it. Yeah, like, that just, really bam. comes in handy when uh, Drist is on the surface trying to evade people. But they can't see through it either, right? Because it's just right. straight pitch black, impenetrable by any light. They can also uh, levitate. Oh, really? They have the power of levitation. I did not know that. Up to six inches. Yeah, That's badass. But they're also a bunch of assholes. I mean, they worship a spider goddess. They fucking... Their, uh, yeah, their mantra is like, it's all about being evil. <laughs> they're like, really? Evil is good. <laughs> good is bad. What are they, Team Rocket over here? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, man. So The, the Dro, was... their number one goal is to steal Pokemon to make people unhappy. So as I was saying, the night Driss was born, he was to be born the third son in the house. Now this and is something that cannot happen. This was uh, the year of the singing skull. 1297 DR. What does DR stand for? I don't know. I'm no. sorry. But we'll just say 1297 before the Battle of Yavin. <laughs> yeah, um, <okay. laughs> the year of the singing skull. Like, wow. Crazy. What's your Zodiac, man? I'm a Gemini. I'm a singing skull. <laughs> I guess I could have guessed that by your purple skin and long bl- white flowing hair and two scimitars. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody where I'm from looks like this. There's a lot of years in my life. <laughs> Dark elves can live up to a couple hundred years, several hundred years old. So their lifespans are not even gauged that like you're just reaching uh, teenage years, roughly, when you're like 50. So, okay, so what's going on? I'm sorry. Back up, though. We were we were talking about something. Uh, Drist is born in Menzoberranzan. Am I pronouncing that right? You are. The city of spiders. <laughs> Las Aranas. Makes sense. They probably produce a lot of glitter stem. <clears throat> I told you. He's yeah. a fucking... He's, he's a druggie. He's a dro. <laughs> it's not fair, man. It's not fair. Uh, that's a stereotype and it's not even, it's just based on the fact that our name sounds like a slang word for weed. That's not even, you're racist. Yeah, for real. So the night he's born, uh, this is kind of like how the houses work. There can't be more than two sons. The third son was going to be sacrificed to the goddess Loth to be in their favor or some shit. And they're using this favor to attempt a raid on a house to gain, you know, uh, social status. So, in the raid on House Devere, Dinan Dorden, Drist's uh, older brother, the middle son, about to be middle son, decides he wants to be the eldest, so he kills Nalfane Dorden during the raid and make it, makes it look like, you know, they're a bunch of sneaky backstabbing jerks is what they are. <laughs> so, now he's the eldest, and ooh, thank God, Nalfane was killed, so they're using that as a sacrifice, and now there can be, you know, Drist can live. Because now he's the second son. He's not the third son anymore. He got saved because his brother is a sneaky bastard. Okay. This book about the homeland, it's technically the first book in the Legend of Drizzt series, but it was the fourth book that was published. And I read the first three books and heard of this place, but hadn't like read about it or experienced it. And when I read this book, I was like, oh my God, this place is awesome. Like so creepy. It's such great writing. R.A. Salvatore, you're a goddamn genius. I'm giving you so much credit. <laughs> and he was born to Matron Malice, the head of House Duerden, and the weapons master, Zachnafane. Okay. Yes. Zachnafane, his father. Yes. And uh, his older sister. What was her name? Uh, which one? Brizza? I don't know. 
Um, Judy. We're going to call her Judy. Okay. We're going to call her Judy. Well, Brizza or Brizza. Take another sip of this eldest. middle sister. Okay. Mm-mm. Then there's Maya. It's Judy. It's Judy Doerden. And she's okay. like, oh, little brother. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's out with his adventurers. And she's like, you and your friends are fighting for righteousness. Oh, spare me. <laughs> Oh man, it's it makes me giggle because like no that ha- that didn't happen. Well, that that's how happen. I will always picture it. Is <laughs> okay, his Fair older enough. sister is Judy Funny, and her and his father trained him in you know the ways of fighting and all that. And they eventually, I guess, went on this raid against a Moon Elf settlement, which are surface dwelling elves. Yes, surface elves. Uh, they were, they had a scheduled raid. It was kind of like um. You know, just some fun, fun things to do. Slaughter some surface elves. They're dirty. They're filthy. They're, I mean, they're terrible. They're terrible. They're not evil at all. So they're terrible. They're worthless. <laughs> so he refused to kill this this moon elf child and yeah, tried he, to cover it up, act like he killed it, I guess. He felt compassion and sympathy and wanted to save the kid. Uh, thought it was wrong what they were doing, you know, because... This is actually comes from Zach Nefane's, uh, it said because he's the father, Zach Nefane had the same moral code in him. And as Driss was raised, uh, he raised him this way to not be like the rest of the Dro society. And Zach Nefane probably wasn't raised this way. So with Driss growing up, being raised this way from an early age, he probably felt it a lot stronger because he's like, that does make sense. And right. I'm actually not only that, but I have the parental reinforcing of you know, the authoritative there. And, uh, and the cool thing about Zach Nefane is that he was that way. And why didn't they kill him? Because, you know, he's not like them. Well, he still does what they ask him to do if he needs to. Uh, but he's such an excellent skilled warrior and fighter that they're like, we can't, so they know they can't get rid of they know he's like yeah oh yeah he fights against them all the time he's like Like, the the glenn beck of the (laughs) drill for real culture and he's always only in this case he's actually right (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's why to them because they're all wrong he's like they're glenn beck yeah (laughs) sure (laughs) and we'll just trade with them the society's so backwards that's what all we had to do was just trade glenn beck to the (laughs) drill They would have been like, this guy, he knows something. Of course, Glenn Beck's racist ass would be like, dark elves. I don't like any elves unless they're my color. (laughs) That's not how Glenn Beck talks. Not here. Not in America. (laughs) And they're like, we're in the underdark. (laughs) This is Menzo Baranzin. What's America? Is that in Faerun? Menzo Baranzin sounds terrorist to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This guy, he's part of ISIS. So the you know the the powers that be in the dro in Menzo Baranzin did not appreciate Drist's ruse. Yeah, and- uh, apparently he's not good at hiding it because the rest his brothers and sisters found out that he did, it and they're like, "Yo, why didn't you kill that kid? It was so easy. Why didn't you? Really? Come on, come on, go back up there and kill him." What actually happened was his house was brought into disfavor with their goddess. Yes, because uh, he did a disservice to the goddess. Obviously. And his father was sacrificed. For some reason. 
Drist wasn't sacrificed. The, the father was sacrificed to appease the gods. I don't know. Maybe the, the, the goddess was like, I'm not going to eat a kid. What sins the of the son fall on sins of the father. The, so the goddess was like, what the fuck, Dro? I know I'm an evil spider goddess, but a kid. I'm not going to eat a fucking kid. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? Loth you, loves kids. You take me for a monster. What do you take me for, Zeus? <laughs> yeah. You want to <laughs> sacrifice a kid? Go to go see the Zeus guy. He'll take all the kids you want to throw at him. I'm not fucking Zeus, okay? Oh I don't want Zeus you guys. Is that there, what you were uh... trying to imply? I don't want. I'm I'm sick of this. You know what? I don't even want this cookie. <laughs> <laughs> but we already sacrificed him. Nope. Dissatisfied. Oh, so Driss dad is killed. Unfortunately. Naturally, he floods Menzoberanzin. Hey guys, it's Nathan from the future. Did I just say that Drist fleds Menzo Baranzin? He fleds Menzo Baranzin? Okay, that's enough Judy funny wine for me. Um, obviously, what I meant to say was that he flees Menzo Baranzin. Uh, on with the episode. And, he thinks uh, he's next. You know, he's scared. He puts himself into exile, if you will. And but he's also like, he leaves, I'm punk rock and I'm into dro. As in like, n- drop the W. You, you guys oh, trying to shit. Yeah, you get, what I'm, get what I'm saying son. there? And uh, he, he's like, I'm punk rock. I'm fuck this town. I don't, I don't like Menzo. Yo, he's like, I'm like puff the magic dragon in this bitch. And he's like, spiders are creepy. Like no, for, for real, real, there's too many spiders here. Well, of course, he escaped into the Underdark, which basically refers to the entire, like, under, like, world. Like, yes. Un- ca- cavernous kingdoms and... It's crazy. There's so much open space down there. You'd think it'd be all rock, but it's not. <laughs> it's just surrounded by rock. Um, but before he left, he got into a fight with one of the wizards, the male mages, and he slain him. Slew? Oh, He slew shit. him? Yeah, and he, he killed took... Him. He did. Yeah, and of course, like any true RPG, he loots the corpse, finds a little magical panther statuette. The corpse of the guy that he killed? Yes. He finds a panther statuette and promptly it, places it in his inventory. It was one of the He-Man Masters of the Universe toys of uh, what was the yeah. panther? <laughs> He-Man wishes. <laughs> Product placement. <laughs> That's the statuette that's used to summon it. He's he he pulls it out and he goes, By the power of Hasbro. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no. What the statuette is, it's magical. Okay. Well yeah, that's that's I mean I was He rubs I, it. That was implied in what I, what I was saying. When he rubs it, he can summon Whoa, whoa, whoa. We all know what happens when you rub your magic panther. We all know what you summon, Craig. We're not that informative on this podcast. I know it's an explicit, informative podcast, but not that informative and not that explicit. No, 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 man. An actual fucking panther comes out when he rubs it. Yeah. Well, what happens when you rub it? That's what. I, that's what I was. That's, <laughs> that's what I was going for. That's not appropriate that's not for to the be children. Discussed on the podcast. It's my own business. Oh, this panther. Uh, is a magical panther from the astral plane, if you will. It's like a shadow realm, a different uh, plane of existence. Yeah, the astral plane. Yeah. It's it's like, you ever heard of astral projection? It's the spiritual world. Right. It's the world of ideas and and, and uh, things that are intangible and uh, right. immaterial. Of course. So when you summon the panther, 
it can't stay on the surface world forever. It has three days before it runs out of energy and must return to the astral plane okay. to regenerate. Or unless it gets into a fight in the real world, you know, it can't really be killed. Like it can be wounded and injured, then it has to go back to the astral plane to heal its wounds. Totally immortal, as on our terms at least. Right. And six hundred pound panther. Oh God, he's a beast. This is a beastly fucking panther. And it's Drist's best friend. Yeah. Long-time companion. If it wasn't for this panther, he would have completely lost himself to uh, to the exile and just like to an unthinking machine. That's kind of what he started to become. He called it the hunter is what was in him. He was losing his uh, humanity, if you will, or elf-manity. <laughs> and he was just becoming this unthinking, nomadic uh Kill to eat, survive, nothing but grunts, like just primordial beasts. And this was after he fled? Yes, yes. While but he, he already was, had the statue. He had the statue, but while he was, you know, just alone in the Underdark. Had he used the statue to summon the panther had. yet? Yeah. Okay, but... You know, he was making a friendship with the panther, They were, but he once he had to return he, the panther... Yeah, he was making this friendship when he was at rock bottom, so of course yeah. he's still... It takes some time, but... Yeah. yeah, so when his time, uh, the panther needs time away in the astral plane. So he's then he's just alone again, you know. The hunter comes back out, Gwen nothing Vera but instincts. He needs, needs its space. Yo, Gwen Drist's always like, who are you fucking in the astral plane? And Gwen Revere's like, look, I know you're going through some shit right now, so I'm going to let that one slide. But I'm going back <laughs> to the astral plane. And when I come back, we're going to forget you said that, Okay. We're just going to, we're just, no, 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 no. you're not going to say anything else. We're just going to forget you said that. Gwen, I'm sorry, baby. I love you. You nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. End scene. Eventually, though, after what was it? A few years of living on his own? Yeah. He stumbles upon the town of Blingdenstone. Now that's uh, a dwarf. Town. No, it's, it's a town full of gangster rappers. Blinged in stone. Tons of bling, dog. Tons They're of bling. blinged in stone. Yeah, <clears throat> whatever. But it is dwarves. Or gnomes. Gnomes. I'm sorry. Gnomes. It's a town of that deep gnomes. That's very racist of me. They're deep gnomes. They live in the Underdark. And they're, whereas a lot of the surface gnomes are jovial, happy, friendly folk, these guys are super serious and yeah, stoic. Oh yeah, all and... they do is like mine and shit. Okay, so he's friends with the blinged in knights as I would call them now. That's racist. No, it's not. It's the type of peoples. <laughs> that doesn't make it not racist. Damn it! <laughs> That's what they're called. I don't know. That's what I'm calling them. Bling the knights. They're, I called them deep gnomes. They're actually like Zvalgenirs. I, oh, yeah. I can't pronounce this shit. The proper term is, let me try this, and please, anybody that knows this shit and wants to write us in, please tell me if I did this justice or right. Zvrfnelbin. Sounds about right from my uneducated perspective. Well, that's all I need. <laughs> Just your uneducated perspective. It's gotten us through it. 87 episodes. For reals. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way I, I mean, I've read this shit so many times. I don't know how to really say these, but this is how I've been trained my own self to say these things. Okay. Uh, it gets too hot there in, in Bling the Stone. Well, if you can't stand the heat, get out the Blingdon stone. Yeah, he's got to leave because uh, the 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 Joe the Joe brands and they haven't given up on Drist. No, he's fucking pissed Loth off, and he must be dealt with. Oh, and the cities aren't that far away, are they? 
well, no, they're, they're pretty far away, but it did take him a couple of years till he stumbled. They're reachable. Upon it. They're definitely reachable. You know, so everybody in Blingdenstone gets together as a council and a community and decides that I'm sorry, you're awesome, but you can't stay here. It's not safe for us. You're voted off the island. Yeah, you've been voted off the island. And he made a great he was friend. Like, you know what? Fine, I don't even want this cookie here. <laughs> <laughs> He made a great friend in Belwar, who is one of the deep gnomes. He actually had his hands cut off. Oh my God, that yeah. sucks. Terrible, terrible tragedy. But magically replaced with a pickaxe and a hammer. And these two become buddies. And he keeps Drist from becoming the hunter and staying the hunter. Which was that bestial form you were talking about that he regresses into? Yeah, yeah like a caveman of sorts, just relying on instincts. He's, it's like his own inner demon that he's dealing with. In the meantime, like I said, the Dark Elves trying to trying to get rid of him, trying to axe him off, right? They invoke this rite of Zincarla or something. It means like to bring from the grave or whatever. I don't know. She, the matron malice of House Dorden, uh, invokes this rite of Zincarla. And that's Drist's mom, right? Yes. To raise from the dead Zachnafane, like an animated corpse controlled by her, to go out and kill Drist. Oh, that's my Ma Dukes right there. Why is she doing that? Right, right. Well, anyways, throughout all of men's brands and a bunch of shit happens, House so, Dorden. So he's like a fucking like Black Lantern zombie Zachnafine? Yeah. Really? Real, yeah. And yeah, he's just like brains. But no, because Matron Malice can speak through him. Oh shit. So he's like, you nasty. Yeah, for real. It's <laughs> like, you ain't wanna kill? You nasty. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? So basically, Zachnafane is just hunting him, right? And he doesn't want to fight him because, you know, what the fuck? That's his dad. That's my dad. Dad, Don't whoop my stop ass. it. Stop, dad. And he just chases him down. And they're in this, like, uh, it's kind of like a dangerous path, if you will. You know, where they're just, like, surrounded by vats of acid. Just acid floor you know there's little walkway areas around and they're fighting and he's like no dad i don't want to do this to you you know and he's like i gotta kill you and and then cats in the cradles playing in the background of course in the silver spoon little boy (laughs) blue and the man on the moon when you're coming home son i'm killing you now (laughs) and we'll be together in the afterlife after that you know we'll have a good time then Look, he should just be thankful he didn't have to face Black Lantern Batman. Yo, for real, that's the scariest one. But it wasn't really Batman. It was just some random corpse in a Batman costume, so it's not that scary, right? Was I guess. That, I, didn't was that wa- the I didn't read uh, the you know Black what? Lanterns. You know what? Let's, let's, for the first time in 87 episodes, not do this to our listeners right now. For real. It, was, <laughs> it ends like, there. Why let's are you now talking about Darkest Night? Because <laughs> neither of us obviously read it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh, Zach Nefane gains his own control, like his soul. And, and in this moment of control for Zach Nefane, he says, son, you have to leave this place. Son, son, you got to go, son. You got to go, son. I can't control this much longer. You're a great person. I'm glad I raised you. Oh, shit. Does he turn into a force ghost? I don't have much longer. Leave this place. Dad. Are you going to turn into a force ghost? Son, I love you! Well, what about at least like a Mufasa in the clouds? Oh, man, there's something. There's something there, maybe, listeners. There's something maybe there. You're going to have to read the actual books to figure that out. 
and he dives into the acid to save his son and just like Dad! wait and i'm lost there's he gets acid the fuck out of there. i'm so wait what happened pardon me i've been i've been hitting the judy funny too much okay so i had said they were like <laughs> battling on like this walkway with just acid surrounding them like there's acid pools and stuff yeah they were playing mortal Kombat. yeah and Zach Nefane dives into the acid to save his son. Okay. He says, I love you. He just fell while they were fighting? No, he jumped in. Oh. He gained control, gained his own consciousness, said what, you know, we were just laughing about earlier, and then dove right into the acid. Driss did? Zach Nefane did. Why did Driss end up in the acid? Driss didn't end up in the acid. Why did he jump into the acid to save his son then? Zach Nefane, no. Should we start over? What? No, he's to save his son because instead of killing him. Because he would have killed him by fighting him and he had control for a second and he said he wanted to save his son so he jumped oh, in the acid. so Drist was still standing on the ground and he yes. was like, I'm not going to fight you. And Drist Basically. was like, cool. And he was like, peace, son. And jumped in the acid and he was like, dad, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm killing myself so I don't kill you. And he's like, dad, you could have just chilled. And he was like, fuck, you're right. Pull me out. And he's like, no. But he couldn't have because... I'll burn my arms off. He was in... You know, he only had control of his own body for so long. He was about to be retaken by malice. I like my version better. But your version doesn't make any sense. And then <laughs> Driss drove away on a Harley with sunglasses playing a double neck guitar. <laughs> you know what if he was to play any guitar it would be a double guitar for real he's like he meets batman and he's like oh word your parents got shot in an alleyway oh well i had to run from my homeland because everyone my mom uh, my, wanted to kill my me entire and my dad people are jumped evil in a vat of acid to save my life <laughs> and died in acid and then i drove away in a harley playing a double neck guitar <laughs> do you smoke dro <laughs> Batman's like, drugs? Where are the drugs? He said five minutes. We're still bringing it back to Batman. Where's the glitter stim? Back to Star Wars. Okay. At least we're closer. So, Driz takes his dad's advice and decides to leave everybody behind and go to the surface for the first time since that elf raid long, long ago. He was like, up there, there was so much room. And there was this passage that he wrote. And it went, everyone dreams, I can dream too. Up there, up where the skies are ocean blue. I need to retake that. <laughs> Sorry. I needed to retake that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're retaking it? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, I deleted all of that, I promise. Okay. No point. one will ever hear it. Sweet. Creeps me out that you said it that way. It makes me wonder now. <laughs> so there was a passage that Ari Salvatore wrote, the author of the books. The creator of Drist. Creator of Drist. We're going to get into that. Don't yeah. think we overlooked it. We definitely didn't. It was just so beautiful when I read it. And it was just about, I'm paraphrasing, of course, Drist finally creeping up onto the surface and seeing like the sun. And because he's from the dark... They're really sensitive to the light, and his eyes burned so bad, like he it was ridiculously painful. But it was like to him, it was like shedding his skin of what he was, and he's going to create a new person. And then a he good died. Person. 
He didn't. He no, didn't. No, no, no. Don't listen. I joke. I joke. I kid. I kid. But it was like, it was just so beautiful. I was like, I'm starting anew. This is going to be me. This burn is like burning away the underdark. No longer the hunter. I'm now Drist. So this is where Drist really becomes the man elf we know him to be. When he meets a blind ranger named Montoyo de Bruche. A blind ranger, you say? How Mon- can a ranger be blind? Don't you got to shoot arrows and stuff? Montolio de Bruche. De Bruche. You okay. Said it, you said it right the first time. That's Montoyo the way I Montolio de Bruche. Montolio de Bruche. But his friends call him Mushi. So I'm going to pretend it's Mookie from Do the Right Thing and Red Hook Summer. And okay. Spike Lee is is this blind ranger that trained Driss Thornton. Uh, oh, no, it's Spike Jones I don't like. I'm sorry. We're good. Yeah, Spike Lee. Keep Lee's going. Awesome. Keep going. And he teaches Driss Thornton to be a ranger. Yeah, well, uh, he tells Driss that he's a ranger, and Driss realizes that the way of his that his way of living is very akin to the way that he views the world and stuff. So he's like, you know what? I've been a ranger all along. You know what? I just got to ask. I just got to ask. I'm just asking. I just got to know. Clear the air here. I don't want to be left, you know, unaware of what we're, you know, is ranger code word for gay. Does it matter? No. I just want to know. I just want, I didn't want to like, I don't want like to get ahead in the conversation and pretend I know what we're talking about. You know, I don't know. I I don't think so. I I believe somebody attuned to the forest uh, and is a protector of, you know, of just life in general. (laughs) Okay, so has nothing to do with a legitimate ranger, an actual ranger. Well, not like an army ranger, like an air force ranger or no, when I hear ranger, I think or a rescue ranger. Ranger Rick. You remember Ranger Rick? Uh, Joey Gladstone. It was, a ma- it was a magazine. Ranger Rick. You don't remember Ranger Rick? I remember Joey Gladstone being Ranger Roy. Never mind. I'm sorry. Do you sorry. remember Owl? No. There were magazines for kids. There were like National Geographic for kids. I you remember don't remember, highlights for kids. You don't remember Ranger Rick? No. <sighs> Ranger Montoyo. So Mushi. <laughs> I mean, Ranger Mushi. He gives his bow to Drist, and he teaches him to be a ranger. And Drist becomes the most badass motherfucking ranger you've seen this side of the Forgotten Realms. It was actually that side. Let's be honest here. He was already a super skilled fighter and combatant. That's true. But he did learn a lot from Montoyo. Um, This was interesting to me, was... Uh, their whole debate on and talking about what God is basically and, and how your religion is. They definitely talked about it in the books and they took a very good approach to handling it. Basically, you know, he was, uh, Driss was atheist now because, you know, all he knew was, is either this or praising fucking Loth. Like, are you kidding me? There is no God. I don't believe in a God like that. Fuck that. You know? And, Montolio basically told him, he said, you know what? Your God could be anything you want. Look inside your heart. Who is your own personal God? Who would you worship? It doesn't have to be, you know, this one or this one. You don't have to have direct, just multiple choice. And he was like, I'm not trying to like sway your decision here, bro. But I'm just saying, Ma- Ma- Mailiki, the-, the hunter ranger goddess, 
She's pretty dope. You get to like do all sorts of cool ranger shit when bro, you worship like, her. She's like, like she's I a mean, unicorn, bro. Look, you accept Jesus Christ, you get to turn into a force ghost, and that's pretty badass. But but, but um, my leaky though, my leaky. I'm though. not trying to sway your decision. I'm just saying though, if you love like if you don't love little cute critters and everything, feel free to choose somebody else. That's right. totally cool. But if you think if you don't think that cute little chipmunks suck. If you think they're pretty cool, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to swear your decision, but if you, if you think cute forest critters should live, then and, my leaky though, be represented. My, yeah. my leaky though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my leaky is the God that Montolio uh, worships. It is like you said, the God of Rangers and forest and it's a unicorn. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. My leaky is, is perfect. Actually. Good job, friend. Um, but that's not quite the way it actually went down. That's a good interpretation, and I will accept it as canon. But it's not, <laughs> technically. Uh, he said, well, then I'll worship your god because Drist, you know, doesn't really know shit. And Montolio's like, well, you don't have to, but you can. He's like, I think I'm going to. My leaky sounds like a good good god to worship. I'm gonna, he's like, word, converted. <laughs> you, you, you chose well, son. Son. And he's like, I'm so sick of people calling me that. <laughs> oh. So the main thing he uses to fight, he, he's a dual weapon wielder. Oh, yeah, he's a dual-wielding rogue. Has two scimitars, Icing Death and Twinkle. One has a badass name, and the other is kind of frail. They're both, I, I picture My Little Ponies in my head. Icing Death is a My Little Pony. He's so just is wielding dual MLPs. <laughs> Uh, icing death protects its wielder from heat and flame and is also able to harm demons to boot. Yeah. Well, specific demons, the demon that it harmed was a fire demon. That's why I was able to harm oh, that okay. one. Uh, it was taken from the lair of this great worm dragon known as in, in also known as icing death by the local barbarians. I am not even going to try to attempt that cause I am not a fool. But yes, I am. Death. I am, so I have no qualms with it. No yeah. qualms. <laughs> Wipe my, my hands of that clean. pronunciation. I have no idea if you got it right or not. And like I said, I'm not going to attempt it. Icing Death is the name of the dragon. That is the name of that he gave to the weapon that he procured from that loot with his buddy Wolfgar. But then Twinkle was given to him by a wizard named Malcor Harpel. And it glows bright blue based on his mood. Yeah, um, it also tends to glow to warn him of danger. Oh, okay. So, I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> oh, no. Ari <laughs> Salvatore did not ever once say that he got most of his inspiration from J.R.R. Tolkien's <laughs> Lord of the Rings. He never once said that. He said that a bunch of times. He totally got that from that. And he admits to it. He doesn't. Um, but to be fair, to be fair, though... Uh, Tolkien's sword. What was it called? Do you remember? Nope. No. Nope. No, no, not at all. Of course not. That glowed only when goblins when were orcs around. were around, or yeah. Goblins are orcs. And this is just danger. So. You're right. He totally, that was totally a completely <laughs> original idea. <laughs> yeah, for real. Absolutely. He also has a long bow, which is Mushi's long bow. And that's what it's called. Mushi's Poor Mushi. Long bow. Mushi was sadly uh, killed in a raid. There's this hunter. 
he thought, you know, Dark Elf on the surface, oh my God, which we haven't even gotten into that. We're going to talk about that later, about the whole thing about Dark Elf on the surface and what Ari Salvatore is trying to uh, take a look at. We'll get into it. Because Dark Elves equal bad, and he must kill them and hunt them down. They're trying to, you know, murder everybody on the town. Uh, he also has what I gather is known as the Mask of Disguise. Oh, yeah, that's a crazy little thing he has there. He stole it from the Banshee Agatha, and it makes its user look like whatever they want. But it kind of seems to have a mind of its own and slips off yeah, at the most uh, inopportune uh, times. Or, as you would say, to drive the plot forward. Yeah, <laughs> right. The most opportune times for the author. Yes. Inopportune for the character. Oh, this would be good if it did that then. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also has a pair of magical bracers. Yeah, the bracers of Blinding Strike. They were meant for his arms, right? For Not for his arms, for the original owner's arms. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he ended up killing him. Bad guy, okay? Other dark elf. Uh, yeah, they made your arms go super fast. And Driss was using these, and his arms were going so fast, he couldn't, you know, change momentum or... Like, he's such a good ranger. He Like, you know, you could have your little sword sweat, but... It was too fast for him to like control enough to not be predictable. Right. To change, if he wants to change pattern or something like that, it's hard for him to do that because he's just too fast in the arms now. Because he's already has ridiculous speed, uh, hand speed. And he decided, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. My feet can't keep up. So what if I put the bracers on my ankles? I could do that, right? Right. And of course, now he's like blinding fast. He's like flash fast. Really? When he wants to be, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. He also has a whistle that can summon a magical unicorn, which is like, fuck, dude, what I wouldn't give for that. <laughs> right? Who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> that would be awesome. And his armor, of course, he has magical mithril chainmail armor. Oh, yeah, made by his buddy, Bruner, Bruner Battlehammer. Over a magical spider silk shirt. Oh, yeah, he got that, too. Magical around. Dude, it's like, I'm protected by magic. What are you protected by? Oh, nationwide? <laughs> Bringing it back. So as I said, his buddy Bruner Battlehammer made that mithril armor for him. Isn't that a funny name? Say that five times Yes, yeah, you can His buddy Brutal Battlehammer made that mithril. You already fucked up. His buddy Bruner Battlehammer made that mithril armor for him. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, we them boys. <laughs> I heard that song for the first time like the other day. It's classic. <laughs> yeah, it's never going to get old. <laughs> Can't even say that without with a straight face, man. Holy shit. So, anyways, Bruner Battlehammer is what you would call one of his companions. Now, they were deemed the companions of the hall, which is Mithril Hall. The so they're, they're like the kids in the hall of the Forgotten Realms? Yes. That's so cool. Yes, exactly. Which one is Scott Thompson? Drist. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you didn't say anybody else <laughs> at the moment because that's definitely Drist. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> He's Scott Thompson of the Companions of the Hall. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my God, I love that. So, uh, Bruner is the king of uh, the Mithril Hall, basically. So who's he? Bruce McCullough? Yeah. Uh <laughs> Maybe. Yes. 
The companions of the hall. <laughs> the companions I love in the it. hall. They, they are the companions in the hall. No, they're of the hall. Oh, but, but companions in the hall. Yeah, dude, I fucking love it. That's so cool. That is cool. <laughs> that makes my night. Seriously, he's leader of Clan Battlehammer. Uh, he has two adopted children. No real children. No wife. Two adopted children. One is a human named Katie Bree. And the other is a barbarian named Wolfgar. Wait, she was one of his adopted children? Just There's only two adopted children, but yes, Katie Bree was his adopted child. Who? Bruners. Oh, yeah. Sorry. There's <laughs> a lot. I understand. Not Drizzts. No, 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 no. Not Drizzts. But Drizzt actually met Bruner through Katie Bree when she was like six. Okay, cool. So we didn't break bro code then. <laughs> She, he met her when she was six, which kind of makes the future weird. That does make it weird, yeah. I don't know if I could hook up with somebody that I met when I was six. Spoiler alert! But then again... Drist and Katie Bree. But I then again, it was Caddy Bree. It's not Caddy Bree. It, it's... I'm... Whatever. I call it Katie Bree just because it makes more sense to me. All I picture is Allison Caddy Bree. Caddy Bree could be Is real. it okay if I just picture Allison Bree from Community She's and Mad Men? She's supposed to have red hair, but sure. Oh my God, even better. <laughs> Allison Brie with red hair. Oh my god, stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm late. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Oh boy. What makes it even weirder is the fact that Wolfgar and Katie Brie or Caddy Brie or Allison Brie were betrothed to each other and they were adopted brother and sister. I find that weird. Put it away, King Henry. For real. But. It's like they're not even of the same kind of people. They're one's a barbarian, the other's a human. Oh my God, Craig, you're a racist. It's crazy. These companions are all together, and they're all different uh, races. Oh, I know. It's crazy. It's weird. Like people of different backgrounds and communities can come together and coexist, and it's like the super each friends' other's differences. Or no, what's super best friends? Super best friends. It's like the super best friends, but they actually like. Seriously, harm things. You're gonna get us Charlie Hebdoed. Uh, no, I'm not. He's not a part of it. He who shall not be named is not a part of it. What? Now, there's one more companion that hasn't been talked about. Of course, every ragtag group needs a halfling. Oh, of course, Regis. If it's Regis, <laughs> yes, that's awesome, Craig. <laughs> I always, when I was reading him, I always oh pictured God. it as Regis Philbin. A little, a little halfling version of Regis Philbin. Oh my god, it'd be the most adorable guy in the world. For real. That's amazing. <laughs> that with furry feet, well, loves nothing more than just being lazy and making I'll be, some scrimshaw. I'll be honest, I never liked Regis Philbin until he became a halfling. <laughs> that is the most amazing thing no, ever. But you know what Regis has? Regis doesn't like to fight, right? He's he a has halfling. A, he has a great screen presence and charisma. No, he has a magical <laughs> ruby pendant. That too. Which allows him to have a great screen presence. So all he has to do is like dangling in front of you and he can kind of control your thoughts. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that idea. It's like it makes him really good at buying stuff at the flea markets. It's is like, that you... your final answer? You want to sell this to me for $2 less? Oh! Ho, he, hoo, ha! <laughs> that was kind of like Pacino. <laughs> Philbin Pacino. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hobbit Regis makes life worth it. For real, though. 
Because that's what a halfling is, halfling, is a hobbit. Sorry. You can't say hobbit because if you say hobbit, you're going to get sued by Tolkien. Totally. This is a family. The Tolkien estate. Yeah. Or Peter Jackson now. I don't know. I don't know who owns that anymore. Hobbit's a racial slur. You can't say hobbit because it's racist. They're oh, halflings. Okay. Fair enough. Hobbits were in books. Come on. So, yeah, this, this is his companions. They went on a bunch of wacky adventures, and I could get into that for days and days and days, but why don't you just goddamn read the books? They're so good. Interesting side note here. Uh, like I said, one of his companions, Wolfguy the Barbarian. Okay. His weapon of choice, not of choice, but was gifted to him by his adopted dad, Bruner Battlehammer, when his servitude was over. Read the books if you want to know what that's about. That's, this is not the Wolfgar episode. <clears throat> was named uh, Agus Fang. And I know that name. You know that name because I told you that was my first Cyndaquil's name. <gasps> that was. My, when I first played Heart Gold, the first Pokemon game I played, I thought of my Cyndaquil as my tool to achieve conquests. So I named it Agus Fang, a magical war hammer that was like Thor's hammer. It would like you could throw it and it would return to you. Okay. And it was a very magical hammer. Nobody else could wield it except for the person it was meant for. So, uh, but yeah, that's what I named my Cyndaquil. And I just, that's great memories to me. But as I, as I like got deeper and deeper into the game, I almost regretted it because I was like, Agus Fang was a tool. No, but and Cyndaquil became my, my like, partner my friend yeah but the hammer that's it's more than just a tool fair enough yeah so that that's cool like because to me i was like because i always pictured agus fang as like a fire hammer you know it could wield like the fire of the gods yeah no if someone named one of their like steel ground type pokemon mjolnir or something i would be totally behind that mjolnir he has this arc enemy though artemis and trary oh it's like mirror dressed human dressed really it's yes Negadrist. That's the perfect way to say it. Absolutely. He is a human assassin. Uh, his looks, speed... Well, he's like a tan guy. Not quite as dark as Drist is. Because the Drow Elves are like pitch black looking. Like almost, okay. you know, with white flowing hair. So he's, he's It's funny. He's usually depicted as, as a purple shade. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know... It's, it's supposed to just be like really dark. They're supposed to be totally jet black, right? Yeah. I guess, I mean, it could have a dark purple hue to it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm fucking colorblind. Leave me alone, man. <laughs> um, but Artisan Trier is like the human version of him and also like the evil Drist. All his uh, goals are like the opposite of what Drist wants to accomplish. He's a selfish person, but he eventually changes to that's another story for another time. Amazing. Read the books, man. Just read the books. It's, it's amazing. But yeah, for the time, he is Negadrist. So who is he? He's this mage assassin? He's not a mage. He's, he's just not. He's, he's just, just an, an assassin. assassin. He has magical weapons. Okay. Uh, he's very powerful, very, uh, has a very high mental will. Constitution. That's the word I'm looking for from like RPGs. He has a high constitution. Okay. So he has a lot of control over his mind. One of his main weapons is like almost a sentient thing that can suck the life out of people that don't have strong minds and he's actually able to control it because he's that strong-willed <clears throat> and he also kind of has a vampiric dagger that sucks the life force out of his victims badass he's had plenty of run-ins with drist and they always kind of stalemate or usually in wins because drist isn't willing to be that you know take that next step into evildom 
of killing him of killing him which is so weird because he kill it's okay to kill orcs it's okay to kill you know the other drow elves that want to kill you but this other person i think it's more like you're the bad version of me i can change you it's the classic Goku or Batman, or just the author would rather keep this character around. Fair enough. <laughs> well, Artemis is such a badass, and it's like my favorite characters in these stories are Drist, Artemis, Jarlaxle. We haven't even talked about him. Oh, that's so is sad. He, but this isn't the Jarlaxle episode. He's so. not the Jar Jar Binks of No, Forgotten no, no. Realms, he's such a badass. He's more like uh, the Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, cool. The Mace Windu. So this dark elf hero here, Dristo Erden, was created by R.A. Salvatore, Ugh. renowned author. Obviously one of my favorite authors. I, one of the New York Times bestsellers. And this is a massively popular character. Been in how many? 18, 28, how many books? 26 to be exact. 26 books. I personally. Almost 30 years. Yeah, I personally have only read 19 of them. Okay, so that's a lot only. Yeah, for real. But still, there's like there's six books left, you know. And it's weird because after the book that I read, I was like, okay, this story is like over, you know. It could be over. And then a couple years later, I found out there were two more books now, and now there's like six more books, and I'm like, holy shit, I gotta fucking start reading them. I've never read any of them, but I've been aware of the character for a long time. Part of that's because I'm a pop culture junkie and I'm aware of this shit even when I haven't read it. Right. But I swear, man, and I can't find it on the internet. I can't find anything about it. But I swear there were these comic strips back in the day. Now, not the Drist comics. I know there's a whole comic line going through the stories yeah, and the novels. It's actually not even a comic line. They're just being released as graphic novels, not separate oh, comics. Yeah. Not those. A handful of them have been made. But a shorter comical comic series about Drist and he had his Panther sidekick and I swear oh, it yeah, was Glumbar. in yeah. it was in either the shit I just realized I haven't been and I swear it was in either the Dungeon magazine or the Dragon magazine well neither of those I read so that makes sense why I don't know about what you're talking about they were both D&D publications one for Dungeon Masters one for players we've yeah you've i mean you've mentioned them before maybe on the Probably rpg, in the episode. RPG episode yeah and i i swear there were these comics that were uh more humorous about a humorous take on the drist character that's interesting to me and yeah i swear the panther was there i remember it plain as day and i know memory is tricky maybe it was a different magazine maybe it was scry or something i don't fucking know Whatever. but i remember seeing these comic strips and that was my introduction to the character that's interesting my introduction to the character was I had just finished reading Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. And, okay. And uh, it was getting towards Christmas time. And I was like, yeah, cool, like fantasy books. And my sister's boyfriend at the time decided to give me a Christmas gift. And it was a book that he had read and enjoyed and loved as a kid. And uh, it was The Crystal Shard, technically the first book published by Ari Salvatore, which is in chronological order. The fourth book in the Legend of Dress series. Okay. But it was the first one published. And at first I was like, cool. Thanks for getting me a book, dick. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to read it. At, at the time I was like, you know, I liked Lord of the Rings, but, you know, don't try pushing other shit on me right now. <laughs> 
Thanks, bro. You should have just got me a pack of magic cards if you want me to play your gay little games. <laughs> Which is funny because at the time, if you got me a pack of magic cards, I'd have been like, uh, yeah. This is what I was going for. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one day I was bored. I decided to read, start reading it. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And by the time I got through like by page 40, I was fucking hooked. I read that series. Then I read the next series, four through six which is technically one through three. Did he just George Lucas us? No, he didn't. <laughs> no, t- he yeah, quit he actually Tarantino did. Us. No, he fucking Lucas us because the first three books written were episodes four through six. And the next three books written were the prologues, episode one through three. There you go. Oh my God, the prequels. I, R.A. Salvatore, I've always been familiar with him as an author and I've never actually seen the guy or seen him speak until recently while preparing for this episode, actually. Oh, really? And I got to say, it's kind of cool because he's nothing like I expected him. Is he from Boston? Yes. Or, okay, Massachusetts, yeah. not Boston. Well, you could totally tell from the way he talks. Yeah. Which is why I said, you know, some people pronounce it draw because that's what he said. And oh, I okay. thought maybe that's just, you know, that Massachusetts accent, that wonky <laughs> accent. He totally has an accent. Yeah. So. Um, it, it was cool seeing him talk about it and he's so, yeah, you know, I mean, in the interview I saw, he was talking about how he created the character and I guess he was such a crazy creation story. He had to write a pitch basically for the forgotten realms book he was going to be writing and it had a lot of, it wasn't even the crystal shard at the time. Okay. It was uh, what it became the crystal. Shard. It ended up becoming the crystal shard. He thought, you know, forgotten realms, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons just took place on the moonshine moonshay islands or isles or whatever. And uh, he didn't realize that the land of Faroon was so vast, you know, so he pitched a sequel to a different book that was already written for forgotten realms. And the lady was like, no, 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 no. We want well, new characters. Yeah, it, the thing he had written involved all those older characters created by somebody else and, right. like, one new character. Yeah. And she was like, look, I'm." she called him up, and this is him telling it in the interview with his Boston accent and everything. <laughs> and uh, she was like, look, I'm on my way to the meeting. I need a new character. They're not going to let us use those characters, so I need a sidekick for your main character to pitch to them. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll figure something out. And she's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm on my way to the meeting now. Like, I need somebody immediately. And he's like, okay, cool. Let me eat my lunch. I'm going to mull it over. I'll call you back this afternoon. And she's like, no, you're not listening. (laughs) I need somebody now. Snap. While you are on the phone with me. Come on. And he's like, okay, fine. His name's Dristorden of Mesoberranzen. And she's like, wait, what? What? And he's like, uh, words in a Mesobrands. And, and she's like, can you spell that for me? And he's like, not a chance. <laughs> Quote, unquote, <laughs> not, not a, a chance. chance. And she's like, so what's his, what is it? Dristorden of Mesobrands. And he just came up with it off the top of his head. And she's like, what's Menzobrands? And he's like, I don't know, a city. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Okay. <laughs> And she's like, who is he? And he's like a dark elf, you know, and that, that pretty much it off the top of his head. He wrote a little prologue to the story with him. And then from there realized this guy 
is the main attraction of the story. Sort of like Jack Sparrow, how he was a side right. character that became like, no, yeah. this is because what people are going to like. What you're, uh, what you're kind of missing in that thing was she sent him uh, a photo of the map of Faerun. And he was like, holy shit. I thought like this realm, this whole Forgotten Realms world was just the Moonshale Islands. <laughs> a couple little islands yeah. over here. This shit's no. big. So he just pointed to a spot on the thing. He was like, uh, this story is going to take place eeny, meeny, miny, mo here. And she was like, is, that place is already taken by the author of this series. And he was like, okay, here. That place is already taken by the author of this series. God damn it. <sighs> here? That, that works. Icewind Dale. Okay, cool. Now, uh, so you got your guy, Wolfgar. Now we need a side character, a new one. Another new side character. You know, And that's when he was like, uh, Drist Warden. Yeah, Drist was supposed to be the side character to Wolfgar's story. Mm-hmm. That's why he was in Ice in the Crystal Shard, which is technically part of the Icewind Dale trilogy. Uh, that's how these books are set up. There's three books to a huge, long, intertwining adventure with each separate adventure in each different book. And they're generally trilogies. Some of them are four or five books long, but mo- for the most part, they're trilogies. So it's like the Icewind Dale trilogy, the Dark Elf trilogy, uh, the... Silent Blade trilogy, the Hunter trilogy. There's a point where he eventually returns to the Hunter. Anyways, that's way deep. That's like book 17 or some shit like that. People die. Whatever. <laughs> People die in book 17. <laughs> At the fair. Um, so I find this so interesting that Driss was just supposed to be a side character. And he became like, yeah, like you said, the main attraction, the main guy. This is who this uh, series should be mounted after but to add on to uh the little interview you were talking about with him when he was asked like where it came from he said i don't know like you said but he elaborated a little more and he said gary gygax is just such an amazing creator that the 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 dark elves the drow elves really stuck out in the back of his mind and that's just like what was there you know but as i said before and as we were talking about in I guess this origin that we told you about would be books four through six, i.e. chronologically one through three, the Dark Elf trilogy, Homeland, Exile, and Sojourn, which would be him being in Menza Branson, him being in Exile, and then him coming to the surface world. Okay. So in an, in another interview with Ari Salvatore, he was asked about Drist and what he was supposed to be. He said, well, when I created him, I thought of him more like, a cross between Dareth from the Moonshade Isles books that was published right before Ari Salvatore's books. Don't know it. Under Forgotten Realm. I don't know it either. I just knew Ari Salvatore's books. And Aragorn. So a mix between these two characters. Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Don't know it. I'm just kidding. What? I know. No, I've read Lord of the Rings. Okay. Awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you, do you know that there's movies about those? No, there isn't. I think I'm pretty sure there's some Lord of the Rings no, movies. No, no, you're thinking I'm, Harry Potter. I'm pretty sure they're no, just they just released the third. It's Harry Potter. It's got the little British kid with glasses and yeah, the scar on his forehead, right? But yeah, not it's only Harry him. That's Harry Potter. No, I'm I'm pretty sure. No, you're thinking of Harry Potter. No, 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 no. Ian McKellen's. No, in it. you're thinking of X Men. Just let it go, oh, Craig. Let it God. go. No, 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 no. But Sean Astin's in it. No, you're thinking of Encino Man. No, 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 but Elijah Wood's right. in it. Moving on, man. Elijah Wood. That's that show with the dog. Like, Wilfred, but not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it right one of these days. 
Speaking of movies, though, did you know that there were actually talks of a Drist movie happening? That'd be cool. I find it very interesting that this character has been around for almost 30 years and has been so popular for almost 30 years. In the nerd community, at least. Yeah. Because if you ask me, anybody I mention him to, nobody knows who the fuck he is. And yet there's no... I can't look up any videos of him in a cartoon or a movie or a video game. He's been in video games. He's been in uh, Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. Uh, he was also playable in Forgotten Realms Demon Stone. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I bought that game specifically because I found out you could play as Drist, and I got to it, and it was so satisfying. And Bruner was really? there, too? Yeah, you actually got to play a level as Drist. I know in Baldur's Gate, you don't get much out of, like... You just see the character standing statically on the screen, and your character's looking at him, and you read the text on the bottom that scrolls. And I guess it's really cool because there's like four or five different outcomes you yeah. can get depending on your party. You could actually kill Drist, and if in you're the really sequel, fucking skilled. Drist comes back. And if you either kill him or take one of his items, he like acts negatively towards you. Oh yeah, in the sequel, if you have people on your party. That fucked him over in the first one. Yeah. He'll react a certain way. So cool. Yeah, right? Like, this was before, like, Mass Effect and shit. Yeah, way before that shit. And and Demon Stone, kind of a shitty game. Not that great, to be honest with you. But I bought it for that reason. And it was so satisfying so to play as Drist. are there cinematic scenes with Drist? No. No? No. No voice? Was... Nothing? Nope. Okay. Fair enough. Just text. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But... Like I said, there were talks of a movie being produced, but the last thing I even could find on the internet of being about it was from 2011. Well, I mean, is Orlando Bloom down? Because if not, I don't see what the point is. Uh, What, are they going to have Orlando Bloom in blackface? I don't think so. Purple face. It's like Jinx, the Pokemon. Uh, Originally, it was rumored that Wesley Snipes was going to play Dress, but I honestly don't think that's the right choice. No, me either. He'd be doing too much cocaine, yeah, but it wouldn't much, be like, horrible. Blade into him, like too much. He's too of, too much of a good guy to be a Wesley Snipes character. Maybe a little more of a Denzel. I was character. about to say if Denzel was younger, if he was younger, absolutely. But no, no Wesley Snipes. And unfortunately, if Denzel was a little younger, maybe. But he's a very hard role to cast. Uh, people listening that like Drist, send us what you would say would be your your thoughts on who you think should play Drist in a movie. And the way you can do that is by visiting us on all the different social media uh, uh, you can start off options with, you have with email at fairpointpodcast.yahoo.com. That's That'd the, be the easy way easiest out. easiest way to let us know who you think should play it. You know, yeah, or you could just post a fucking... <laughs> Post a message to our Facebook. Yeah, if you want to be that guy, which oh, would be yo. awesome. We we can't lie. Or you could just tweet at us at Fairpoint Pod. Just be like, yo, at Fairpoint Pod, this person should play Drist in a Drist movie that's not going to happen. And that would be awesome, too. And then we can say that you played an active role in it not happening. Look us up on Facebook. Look us up on Twitter. Email us. Any way you can get a hold of us, we really want to hear from you. We're not even lying. Like, Just ask other fans of the podcast. We definitely uh, react. Yeah, for real. Like, They just got a whole month dedicated to them. Where have you been, homie? Where you been, son? Where you at, dog? Where you at? Huh? 
wherever you're listening to us, if it's YouTube, like us, leave a comment, subscribe. If it's iTunes, subscribe, leave a rating, review leave a review. It. If it's, it's Podbay, Pod I think you can sure. leave reviews there. You probably ratings. can. Please do it. Whatever you can do to help us out, it's a huge help because we don't make shit off this, but we make sure we make deadline. That's all we make off this is deadline. Except for when we can't. <laughs> <laughs> So every little bit, even just letting us know you dig it, helps out. Next week, we'll be talking about a whole new fucking topic. We'll be here. Oh, we'll not dressed deadline. more? Not more dressed? No, we won't be talking about dressed anymore. No, but seriously, people, if you liked this, I implore, please, please check out any of these books. I would suggest starting with the beginning, either Exile or The Crystal Shard. But please, it is definitely worth your time. Read it. Yeah, R.A. Salvatore, man. That's, you know, by the name, I always expected like a Ian McKellen type dude and not like a... a, John fucking Ritter? Yeah, not like a John Ritter. So it was really cool, though, to see that. But for real, check his books out. Yeah, he also... uh, Kingdoms of Amulur. Of Amular? Oh, that sounds good. The video game. The video game. It's one of my favorite RPGs, and I had said it's because Ari Salvatore wrote the story to that game. No way, I didn't know. Hell fucking yeah. No Drist. Not a Forgotten Realms. Doesn't have the rights to that character in this game. But that would have been cool, though. That would have been cool, though. (laughs) So, again, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm NC Capacer. And I'm Craig the Snurf Melbourne Lewis. (laughs) Talk to you next time. Thank you.